You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1104 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And thank you as much for making the Lockdown Hawks podcast your first listen each and every day. Listen to us for free at all platforms, including Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Today's podcast will focus on what became a 102-99 win for the Hawks in New Orleans. Not the best performance talked about for the Hawks, um, but they got the win on the road, which is obviously the most important thing to take away. So we'll get into all of that as we always do on the podcast. And also, this is the first night of a back-to-back for the Hawks, so a quick turnaround. They play in the nation's capital on Thursday, so no time to sit around and uh, really enjoy this one, but still a nice, solid performance in terms of getting the win, even if they have plenty to build on for Atlanta. Um, pre-game-wise, uh, a lot of actual positive news on the injury front. DeAndre Hunter returned to action after the um, missed game on Monday with a non-COVID illness. He was probable and then ended up playing. And then Danilo Gallinari made his season debut this evening after he was listed as questionable with left shoulder soreness after missing the first three games. Uh, he played and played reasonably well, uh, at least offensively in this spot. Lou Williams was out for the Hawks with left ankle soreness, sorry, right ankle soreness in this game. But honestly, I said this before the game, and I'll say it again now, the most healthy and complete the Hawks have been roster-wise since last December, basically. Um, you know, famously, they still were without Okongwu, uh, and then Lou didn't play in this game, but they now have capable backups with Gorgie Jang and DeLon Wright. And I said it a million times last year, but they had the rotation guys, the core pieces of last year's team, healthy for exactly one game all last season. And even in that game, Gallinari got hurt during the contest. So I think tonight's rotation, the guys who were available, is their most complete unit, really, since they brought this team together. And uh, that's certainly notable. It uh, doesn't mean that it's you know all problems are solved and everything's going to be roses from now this way forward. But um, from an injury standpoint, clearly you want to Kongwu back. That's a huge piece of your present and future. But I think overall, this is probably the best available roster they've had uh, in a long, long time. At, at any rate, the Hawks were favored in this game. The Pelicans have struggled mightily this year. They were 1-3 coming into the night. Um, without Zion Williamson, he did not play in this game. Josh Hart also missed the game for New Orleans. The Hawks were actually six-point favorites, according to BetOnline.ag, our friends over there. They didn't cover in this game, which, you know, you can talk about whether that matters to you or not, but they won the game. They trailed for large portions. They trailed by 14 points at the end of the first quarter, uh, as many as 16 points in the game. And I think just as some broad strokes here at the top, offensively, it was not fantastic from the Hawks in this game, with one notable exception. It was the offensive glass. We'll come back to that a lot in this uh, on this podcast, but they got 21 offensive rebounds. That was a huge, huge part because New Orleans couldn't keep them off the glass, and that ended up those extra shot attempts really swung this game in Atlanta's direction. And then defensively, it was definitely much improved after halftime, after a slow start. So we'll get into all of that, but I want to at least sort of set the stage a little bit here with what transpired on this on this uh, particular podcast, and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of it all in a moment. Before we do that, though, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today, and the first of which is RockAuto.com. Have you ever gone to a chain store looking for auto parts that fit your car? Is it maddening? Because it is for me. I know it has been in the past and it will be if I ever try that again. But frankly, I don't ever need to do that again because of rockauto.com. Rock Auto has been serving auto parts customers for 20 years at this point in time. And you could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. They have all kinds of auto parts that will fit your lifestyle, fit your preferences, and the best part is you don't have to endure the pointless questioning from someone behind the counter who's only looking to sell you the one part or one kind of part that they have in their warehouse. 
RockAuto.com has everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And honestly, the prices are always reliably low for every customer and they really serve the do-it-yourselfer very, very effectively. You can go explore their website right now. It's very easy to use. You can find a solution to your auto parts needs in one place. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com BetOnline is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and much more in terms of props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the basketball football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% on your first deposit with BetOnline.ag if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. For basketball, football, baseball, postseason stuff, NHL, boxing, UFC, tennis, golf, favorite casino games, and much, much more. Do not wait to take advantage of any of the amazing offers available to you this season because everything that you could want and much, much more is at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. So at the top of this one, it was uh, a bit of a barrage from the Pelicans. They scored 12 points on the first four possessions of the game. They hit three threes and had a three-point play along the way as well. There was some noise in there. Obviously, they made some shots that they don't always make. But the Hawks are down by eight in a hurry, despite some uh, you know relatively reasonable offense in the first six minutes of this contest. The Pelicans scored their first five trips, and they didn't miss a shot for about four minutes at the outset, uh, which kind of put the Hawks behind the eight ball, so to speak. The Hawks, though, did work on the offensive glass, as I said before. That began early on. They had six off three rebounds in the first four minutes. They were all over the offensive glass. Um, fouls were a theme, again, for John Collins. He got a second foul in about four minutes. Um, it's happened multiple times already this year, and McMillan's been pretty conservative with his with his minutes, but that's because he's you know he's not been able to sort of stay on the floor recently, which is a question mark. And he's also not gotten the friendliest whistle, that's for sure. I try not to focus too much on the on the officiating, but Collins has kind of always not gotten a great whistle in my opinion, and I think that's been the case so far, uh, which is kind of leading to him playing less, which is obviously bad for the Hawks because he's one of their best players. Um, elsewhere, though, in the first quarter. Trey scored seven points in a row, got to kind of anywhere you wanted once Herb Jones, who was guarding him early on, had to leave the game with foul trouble of his own. And Trey became the fastest player in Hawks history to 5,000 career points, so he is uh, rewriting the record books in a lot of different ways, but a nice start there for Trey, who had a big night here in New Orleans. Um, he then fouled Capella for a layup to sort of force a Pelicans timeout. That was the Hawks' best stretch of the first period. But after that timeout, the Pelicans came out and scored six points in a row of their own, and then Nate called his own timeout. Uh, 24 points in about seven and a half minutes from the Pelicans, which is very, very bad against the Zion-less Pelicans team. Uh, there was some hot shooting, but still some bad defense. I think transition defense was terrible for the Hawks. I don't want to overstate it too, too much, but there were some woeful breakdowns, even from guys who are good defenders in the first quarter and a half, two quarters um, defensively, uh, especially in transition of this game. The Hawks also didn't score for about three and a half minutes. They rotationally were similar to what they've been the entire season other than with Gallinari in place of Solomon Hill. So nothing too surprising there for Gallo in his season debut. We'll come back to that later on as well. But the first quarter was basically, you know, the first half of it, the Hawks were down, down by three points. It was 18-15. And then from that point forward, like six minutes and ten seconds or so, it was 15-4 to in favor of New Orleans. The Hawks scored four points in the final six minutes of the first quarter to get a pretty large deficit at the end of the first period. Um... The Pelicans scored about 1.4 points per possession in the first quarter, and the Hawks were about 0.75. So that kind of tells you how big the disparity was there. The Hawks were 8 of 29 from the floor and 0 of 10 from 3 in the first quarter, and the non-Trey Young Hawks were 4 of 20 from the floor. So without the offensive rebounding, it would have been even worse than that, but the Hawks were sort of dug themselves a hole 
uh, in pretty obvious fashion coming out of the gate. There was a strong run, though, early in the second quarter. Um, John Collins came back in to anchor the second unit after he had the foul trouble, which is why he set out. So it ended up being um, Collins with the bench, and that worked out very, very well. We talked about me uh, sort of, even on yesterday's podcast with Zach Hood, I mentioned that I like Collins as a second unit driver of offense in a lot of ways. If they stagger a little bit, that worked out very well in this game. It was a 17-6 run by the backups. Um, threes from Gallo and Reddish, and I stuck from Collins off a pass from right in transition, and Reddish has a couple of nice assists which, as well, which is encouraging for him. Uh, Collins had another dunk off a dump off from uh, from DeLon Wright a few minutes later, and then, uh, by the way, that was the 11th offensive rebound in the, the, first, or the first quarter and a half. So they were all over the place on the glass, that's for sure. Uh, Collins then hit a jump shot, and that kind of closed the run for Atlanta. Uh, defensively, it was better, to be sure. I think it's definitely... Interesting to me, it's not, not the first time, nor will it be the last, that as the Hawks missed some shots in the first quarter, the defense kind of slumped. And when they start making some shots, they picked it back up. That was kind of notable to me in that spot. Um, effort-wise, though, it was better with the bench guys. Collins got his third foul and went to the bench again, which is, uh, you know, they're kind of auto-benching him kind of formulaically. I don't, like, always love that, but he's got to stay off foul trouble in some respects. There was a great ATO play by McMillan late in the first half to give Bogdanovich a layup with about three minutes to go. He had been very, very quiet at that point, only had taken one shot in the first half. And then from there, he got to the line, and then he had a three. And that was a, you know, obviously you don't want to give too much credit to just one uh, play design, but it seemed like that kind of helped to wake Bogey up, who was not uh, terribly involved in the first half to that point. The Hawks trailed by as little as one, actually, down the stretch of the first half after being down by 16 earlier in the in the half. But then New Orleans had a three on the last possession of the game before halftime. And uh, that put the Hawks down by six after some more shaky defense. But still, to be down by six was not a disaster given the way that it all started. The Hawks were good around the rim. They shot the ball much better in the second quarter. They were still 460 from three with only 11 assists and nine turnovers, which is a bad, a bad ratio. But, um, you know, the Pelicans scored a bunch. I think transition defense was the number one problem in the first half. Capella was not his best either defensively, but still managed to avoid disaster being down only six. Um, and then in the second half... It was better kind of right away. It was a 15-6 run by the Hawks to open things up and take the lead for the first time in the entire game. Collins had a nice lob dunk to give them the lead off a pass by Trey Young. And then Hunter had a run, run out for a dunk in his own right. And then Collins got his fourth foul. Again, um, he came out. They brought in Herter. They went uh, pretty strictly to, the, to that auto bench situation. They went to the full bench late in the third quarter. Um, differently than the first quarter. Because actually in the first quarter, Trey Young played the entire first quarter. Uh, this time around, they went to DeLon Wright a little bit earlier. And played the uh, bench unit together. Wright, I thought, played very well in this game. Hit a, hit, a, hit a floater there and then actually had a three in the final minute of the third quarter. His first one of the season. Uh, there, was a, there was a moment where Gallinari really cooked Brandon Ingram in the post. That was uh, fun to see. It's always fun to watch Gallo operate in a mismatch like that. Uh, and overall, it was a 12-2 run by the Hawks to close the third quarter to go up by seven points. And honestly, they won the third quarter by, thir- by 13 points overall. It felt like they were going to run away a little bit there because the Pelicans are shorthanded. The Hawks are the better team. They finally found it there. They didn't shoot incredibly well in the third quarter. This is all, this is very important though. No turnovers and five and five re- offensive rebounds in the third quarter. So that's extra possessions coming out your ears when you don't turn the ball over at all and get also grab your own misses. That's huge and that sort of contributed to that. And Trey had ten points on his own in the third quarter. Uh, in the fourth, they kind of went back to Capella earlier than you might guess because he hadn't played a whole lot in, in that time period. The Pelicans, though, had a couple of uh, you know runs of sorts and then one big run. Um, the Hawks struggled to score, we'll say, at the outset of the fourth quarter. Um, two points 
out of the three that they actually had were on a broken playoff rebound dunk by DeLon Wright. But it was a 15-3 run by the Pelicans to go up by five when they had trailed by seven. Um, the Hawks scored three points in about five minutes and 40 seconds. So almost a half of a quarter they scored three points. That's not tenable, obviously. Trey finally got, broke that, um, that's, that drought with a floater of his own. But from there, it was really back and forth and back and forth. Bogey hit a lot, but Collins got it back down to one. Um, but the Hawks, you know, had to, had to tie it. They were down three. Bogey had a three with about four minutes to go to tie it. And then it was kind of back and forth from there. The Hawks did lead for the most part down the stretch. Trey hit a mid-ranger um, and then actually back-to-back mid-rangers. The second one was kind of a tough shot as well. Maybe Barry to go up by four with two minutes to go, but the Pelicans answered. Um, Bogey missed a three when it was tied. And then Brandon Ingram had the ball with about 70 seconds to go in a tie game and just kind of shot a pretty bad air ball at that point in time, sort of a hero ball shot. Um, Trey then missed a shot, actually, on the floor, but then Collins got a tip dunk that was awesome um, to finish up that, give the Hawks a lead for the first time in a couple minutes. And then in the final minute, after a timeout, they fouled Herb Jones, who actually only made one of two, so the Hawks led. Uh, Trey then missed a floater, but Collins got offensive rebounded. Trey, the, Trey misses a step back. Not the best shot in the world in that spot. Not, a, not the worst shot either. Obviously, it's Trey Young. You can take that shot. But he missed that one. So the Pelicans have the ball with a chance to win. Down by one. They pushed, They actually tried to push it. And uh, they, they actually wanted a foul call. But it was a good play by Capella, I thought, in replay. I don't think it was a foul. Um, and then the Pelicans call timeout with 8.5 seconds remaining. Down by one. Um, and the Hawks actually put in DeLon right on defense. That was the right decision. He came in for Trey Young. Um, which is the right call. You know, one of the questions always there is, like, what do you do with Trey? But they had a timeout, so if they got to stop and had to get Trey back on the floor, they could have done that. They probably would have done that, I assume. And the line right is obviously a lot more switchable, a lot better defensively, a lot bigger. It was also helpful that the Pelicans ended up leaving Herb Jones in the game on offense, and he's really kind of a zero on offense right now. So that was a nice little uh, mess up by Willie Green, the first-time head coach of the Pelicans, which kind of contributed to the Hawks um, having some success there. So they didn't really have to guard him very much. They got a stop there on Brandon Ingram, who tried to sort of draw a foul on a jump shot. Didn't get that call. And the Hawks basically won it at that point. It wasn't over-over. Gallinari almost threw the ball away, actually, on the inbounds pass. But Trey gathered it, made both free throws with 1.2 seconds to go. And uh, all the Pelicans could do was just launch one from 65, 70 feet. that did not go in, and the Hawks get the win. So clearly not the wire-to-wire dominance that the Hawks would have wanted in this game. And I think, you know, fans were frustrated I get all that. They didn't play particularly well in this game, but it's also sort of a sign of a good team to be able to win when you don't play well, and that, I think, was a the case here with the Hawks. So we'll get into all that and much, much more and some takeaways in a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor on the, on the podcast today, and the first of which is Postmates. With my work schedule, I am often looking for something to pick me up late into the evening, something to taste great, something that will give me energy, and the best part honestly, is that it could be delivered directly to my door because I ordered it with Postmates. With Postmates, I get all of my favorite foods delivered from local restaurants in my neighborhood without leaving the house and without getting in the car or finding a parking spot. At Postmates, it's not just burritos and sushi. I can order things like toothpaste and phone chargers on demand too because places like Walgreens and 7-Eleven are also on Postmates. My favorite part though is when the app lets me know that the food or my items have been delivered. Everything's right outside my door. It's very cool and it never gets old. Download the Postmates app on the iOS or Android and find your favorite foods and, or the one thing that you forgot to get from the store and get it delivered to you on demand. 
And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners just a little something extra. New customers will get 50% off your first five or $50 or more when you use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA to get half off your first five orders of $50 or more with a max savings of $100 per order. Download the Postmates app or sign up online. It's super easy. Offer subject to change. Taxes and fees apply. Offer valid for 30 days after you add the promo code to your account. For a while now on the podcast, we talked about sweat block and the way that it has really changed a lot of people's habits, including my own. You don't have to worry about sweating um, and really the planning that goes around that from undershirts to changes of clothes and pit stains, etc. There's all kinds of positives to not sweating and not having that distraction in your life. And sweat block does the job in a big way. And even beyond what I have to say, we've got testimonials from teachers and athletes People in the movie industry, uh, et cetera, et cetera, have come across Sweatblock either from the podcast or elsewhere and really, really love to uh, t- talk about this. Honestly, it's like a testimonial time regularly about how much they really enjoy Sweatblock and all of the benefits from it. Uh, Sweatblock stops excessive sweat for seven days per use. It's doctor created and doctor recommended. If you have a dry shirt guarantee as well, Sweatblock does not keep you dry. You get your money back. It's not just for armpits. You can use it on your chest, your back, your feet, your hands. Use it anywhere, and that means anywhere that sweats. If you or someone you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, check out Sweatblock today and get it for 20% off at sweatblock.com. One more time, that's 20% off at sweatblock.com if you use the promo code Locked On, or check it out at Amazon or CVS. So offensively in this game, the Hawks ended up putting some numbers up that were reasonable, about a 1.1 point per possession clip for the game for Atlanta, but that's a huge debt paid to the offensive glass because the Hawks did not shoot well in this game. A 49% true shooting, 42% from, from the field, 27% from three. They got to the line decently, but not anything to write home about. Um, they took care of the ball well. 11 turnovers is pretty solid. Only two after halftime. That's a very, very strong indicator of why they were able to come back and win this game. But they got to, they got to uh, you know, around the rim pretty well, 52 points in the paint. But a lot of that was just the offensive rebounds. So they, they grabbed 21 of their own misses. That's about 38%. That's a whopping number. And that's the reason why they were able to post the offense that they did without shooting the ball well at all in this game as a team. Uh, elsewhere, though, you know, 20, 21 assists is not like terrible. Uh, it wasn't like ghastly, but given what the Pelicans have on on their radar to not shoot the, the well, they you know the Hawks didn't get the greatest looks. It didn't make them at the uh, greatest clip in this game. Uh, defensively, I think it was so much better after halftime. Uh, th- that's reflected in the score, obviously with 40 points after the half for the Pelicans, but even beyond that. You could see just the intensity ramp up a little bit. I think the transition stuff largely was short up after halftime. Uh, the rotations were crisper. The Pelicans also just shot worse, which is certainly worth pointing out. But I think the Hawks were notably better defensively after halftime. That ended up being, uh, for the game, a pretty solid defensive performance. Like, I think I wouldn't make too much of them holding the Pelicans under 100 because it was a slow, slow, slow-paced game. They actually scored about 1.07 points for per possessions, um, which is not fantastic in terms of what the Pelicans were able to do. I think you'll take that if you're the Hawks. But against the Zionless Pelicans, this is actually their best offensive performance of the season on a per-possession basis for the Pelicans. That's a low bar to clear. But still, um, you know, it was kind of a mixed bag. First half was genuinely bad in terms of the defensive effort and transition stuff and finding assignments, etc., it was better after halftime, and it was good enough in this game. Uh, individually, before we get out of here on this Wednesday into a back-to-back, the bench was um, effective in terms of the plus-minuses. Actually, the, the four of the five bench guys were pluses in this game, and the starters were not. But it was also not like huge performances individually. So Gallo, in his, in his debut, 9.7 rebounds in 20 minutes. 
I think defensively, he is not quite back to where you would want him to be. He's not great anyway, but I think he was not his best in this game. But offensively, he's obviously a huge weapon. He helps make the offense go on that second unit, and it was good to have him back in the fold. Um, Cam Reddish had uh, a, little bit, a little bit more of a low-key night. Only took five shots in 24 minutes after basically averaging you know star-level volume in the first three games of the season. Got to the line for two free throws, um, had two assists and a steal in this game. I think he was okay. I don't, I, don't think he, I don't think he played that bad. He just was a little bit less aggressive in terms of hunting, hunting his shot. I think defensively he had some nice moments, a couple, a couple of nice passes. So uh, more of a low-key night for sure for Cam, but nothing terrible by any means. Gorgie Jang was quiet as well, 2.5 rebounds in 10 minutes. DeLon Wright only 12 minutes. I thought he was actually quite good. He was plus 11. Seven points, three rebounds, sorry, five rebounds, three assists, no turnovers for Wright. I think that was probably the best version of DeLon Wright. And I've kind of been baffled by this. There's been lots of like tweets about how bad, how quote unquote bad Delon Wright is, and how he's how he's not working out. And I don't really understand that at all. I think he's been totally fine. Uh, he's not going to be a guy who's going to score a ton for you or shoot a ton of threes and stuff like that. But he is rock solid, and that's what you want in a lot of ways. So uh, I don't think that that's a concern for me in any way, shape, or form. Honestly, I think Delon Wright is totally fine. Uh, and then Herder had a bad shooting night um, off the bench. He was one of the eight from the floor, and 5 from three. So that is not you know, you know it's tough to overcome that. Um, two points, an assist, three rebounds. I don't think he, I don't think he played that badly, but he shoot he, he shot very badly in this game. Um, two starters. Oh, well, last thing on the bench, you know, I will say this: the biggest stretch of the game was that first stretch of the second quarter. I mean, Miller talked about this after the game as well to the media. Um, that was, you know, Collins was a big part of that, and we'll, we'll get to him in a second, but the bench did kind of have a couple of big runs in them that uh, were pivotal in winning this game, so I wanted to at least say that out loud. Um, the starters, kind of a mixed bag here. Uh, Bogey was more aggressive after a very sort of passive start to, to 12 shots. 11 of them in the final, I don't know, two quarters and like maybe a third of a quarter, like last, you know, 27 minutes of the game. Um Three assists, three rebounds, only 4-12 from the floor, but I think he played okay, just didn't have his best shooting night. I think Capello was not particularly good by his by his standards. He had 12 rebounds, three block shots, including one big one late, but defensively not quite his normal best, and two away from the floor is tough to deal with for a guy who takes the percentage shots that he does. Um, Hunter was okay, 13 rebounds, sorry, 13 uh, points, two rebounds, and no assists for Hunter. Did have a steal. But, you know, kind of a mixed bag offensively for him. 5-10 from the floor. Did make his only three-point attempt, but didn't, like, have a huge game. And then defensively, um, you know, early he got kind of um, cooked by Ingram a few times, but actually did settle in from there. Sort of a team arcing sentiment there with Hunter uh, improving as the game went along defensively. And then Collins and Young were the anchors, as they often are. I thought Collins was very, very good on a per-possession basis. Um, plus 15 in 25 minutes. 16 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, and 1 turnover. He was very good, just the foul stuff, and also uh, he was a menace on offensive glass. I think uh, his energy level was huge, and that was uh, he was obviously a huge part of that second unit run they made. And then Trey had 31, seven assists, and five rebounds in 36 minutes. He wasn't like uber efficient. I think he had 20, 28 shooting possessions on 31 points, so nothing bad, just nothing fantastic. I don't think he was like his A plus plus effort in terms of performance here, but he was obviously very very good in terms of keying the offense and scoring at important times. Uh, made a couple of big shots in the fourth quarter. That that one fadeaway that he hit on the mid range, you know, halfway through the fourth quarter was a huge shot. So a typical Trey game in a lot of ways, you know, around his averages for the most part, and uh, he played just fine in uh, helping the offense. So 
that will do it for today. It's uh, sort of a mixed bag game over on, I know I've used that phrase a few times, but it really was the first half disappointing, second half they did enough to win, and uh, you just kind of escape and get out of there with a victory. As we discussed yesterday with that, with that could, the schedule is much more unfavorable the next couple of weeks, but the next game on the schedule is Thursday night in Washington, and the Wizards are also on a back-to-back with travel, not quite as far as New Orleans, but sort of a level playing field there at least. No no huge advantage in terms of rest. Uh, the Wizards actually won in Boston tonight, so keep that in mind. But we'll, t- we'll touch on that stuff after the game on Thursday evening, but Hawks-Wizards will be... Uh, in play very, very soon. It's actually an early game, by the way. Put that on your calendar. It's a 7 o'clock tip-off in the nation's capital on Thursday. So we'll have a podcast after that one, as always. But please subscribe to the show. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. And we'll see you after the game on Thursday night.